At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855-1-HOUR for $50 off your repair or visit OneHourAir.com. Always on time or you don't pay time. Terms and conditions may apply. Independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. is up hockey fans this is the golden edge podcast the podcast where the las vegas review journal talks about off-season hockey and boy do we have a lot to get through today on this friday morning i have been goats one of your review journal golden knights beat writers joining me on the other line is my colleague david shane uh dave has your head stopped spinning yet from all the news we've had in like the past, like, I don't know, 48, 72 hours? No. And as you're, as you're saying that, for some just godforsaken reason, all I could think of is pitch perfect and that you spin me right around at the end. That performance, which I'm sure, Ben, you're very familiar with. Obviously, fantastic film. Anna Kendrick is incredible. Out of all the like the two of us, who's going to drop like the first Pitch Perfect reference on the show? I mean, the odds makers are going to be so upset that people are going to be cashing in like plus <laughs> ten thousand tickets uh, right now. But yeah, I, I not on get, the bing- not on the bingo card, right? I do get exactly how you're feeling because I just said before we hopped on. I mean. We, of course, have so much NHL free agency and trade news to get to, including a lot involving the Golden Knights that uh, most of this episode will be dedicated to. But as like a sports follower, I have also been following uh, Major League Baseball trade deadline news uh, today as we're recording this. The NBA draft was last night and trades were happening. I am a devout like Olympics follower, so I've been watching like, I don't know, like eight hours of Olympic coverage all day uh, i got up early to watch u.s women's soccer uh this morning and saw them win in a penalty shootout so that was dope all i'm saying is there's a lot of news dave it's a lot of news yeah i was up early watching the uh watching the soccer as well and you know definitely a lot going on with uh with the hockey uh you know trades signings uh it's been a, a busy week we'll see if it uh continues here or if their business is done but I think, I hope we can, you know, maybe finally catch a catch a breath here and maybe come up for air uh, during the summer. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, lions, tigers, and bears. It's, uh, oh my, there's a Wizard of Odds reference for the bingo board. But of course, we're going to go through all the moves uh, the Knights have made in the past couple days on this podcast. Uh, one thing that we won't go into great detail on, though, is uh, the trade that sent Marc-Andre Fleury to the Chicago Blackhawks. If you guys are interested, we already recorded basically an emergency podcast earlier this week that focused just on the flurry trade for like a really long time. We broke down that trade uh, from all angles and actually told some of our favorite uh, Marc-Andre Fleury stories from being around him so much over the past couple of years. So if you guys are interested in that breakdown, we have a totally separate episode uh, for you guys. And this podcast will mainly be dedicated to the moves after uh, that happened and what the Knights kind of did with the cap space they opened up uh, from that trade. But before we get to all those things, I'm just going to quick remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored about one hour heating and air conditioning. We are also presented by Blue Wire Hustle. Um, if you guys could check out all our written work at uh, reviewjournal.com, that would be great because we have done a lot, a lot of written work 
uh, over the past few days. And we have a lot more uh, to come, especially over the weekend that I think you guys are going to want to check out. So make sure you keep your eyes tuned to our website and social media for that stuff. Um, and also, if you guys could, you know, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcast due to this one, it would be very much appreciated. Um, so as we kind of, you know, mentioned NHL free agency is here. It's happening. It began Wednesday morning and things got just nuts, uh, to say the least. Um, so we talked to general manager Kelly McCrimmon uh, late Wednesday afternoon, and he said, you know, the United's three priorities this offseason were a manage their salary cap, which they, of course, accomplished by uh, trading Marc-Andre Fleury and getting seven million dollars in cap space Two, re-sign defenseman Alec Martinez and uh, three, improve their forward group. So we got news on uh, part B actually two days before free agency because Martinez agreed to a three year deal. It's going to count uh, $5.25 million against the cap annually. Uh, pretty good deal for Martinez, who just turned 34. It's worth noting, uh, and I think this is very funny, that he counts uh, $50,000 more than Shea Theodore against the cap. So he's now the Knights' basically second uh, highest paid defenseman. So I don't think we need to spend time, you know, kind of talking about Martinez's virtues or how valuable he was to uh, the Knights, Dave. But I know we've both kind of expressed skepticism in the past as to whether they were going to be able to, you know, have the financial flexibility to make this happen. So how do you think these two sides are able to come together and make this work? Well, if I was watching my TV on uh, free agency day on Wednesday, I would have known that, you know, it's a pretty high market, uh, you know, for defensemen and, and players out there, uh, you know, appreciate Bravo. that. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly McCrimmon. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think the third year with Alec Martinez was probably the big thing. I think once the Knights were willing to commit to that, and then obviously, you know, the salary is pretty commiserate with, you know, what he would get on the open market. I think he would have got more. Uh, Kelly McCrimmon said that as well. I think that's probably a concession even Alec Martinez would make you know, if you, if you asked him and, and really got an honest answer, you know, but they gave him a contract, you know, that was, that was good for him. It was apparently good for the team. I know he liked the three years and the security that comes with that. And then, you know, there's some, some no move or excuse me, some no trade clause and, you know, different teams in different years. I don't think we need to you know break that all down right this second, you know, but yeah, for Alec Martinez, it seems like a good deal. I think most of all, what, what really came across with all that was in the process, he made it clear. And I think his agent made it clear. They wanted to come back. He wanted to be in Vegas. And, and if there was a way to do it that worked for both sides, if he got a deal that he felt good about, you know, he was going to return. And, and as soon as the Golden Knights, you know, put something on the table, you know, that, that he was good with and they showed, you know, their commitment to him and, and how much he means to them. You know, the one, the one thing, if you imagine if he had walked, you know, how do they fill that hole? Uh, you look around free agency, there wasn't really a whole lot. You know, on the left side, Ryan Suter got a four-year deal from Dallas, if, I, if I'm, you know... With a full no-move clause. Right. And I don't think the Knights would have come anywhere near that. So, you're not getting him. Like, if you take Alec Martinez out of this lineup, you know, that's a big hole. And now, you know, yeah, there's some questions going forward. You know, can he replicate that? Is his body going to hold up at 34, 35, 36? What you know, what can he continue to give, 
you know, the Knights playing the style of game that he plays. But for right now, you know, the, the, the way that he solidifies them on the blue line, I don't think they could afford to lose him. And as long as they were getting him at a good price, which it seems like they did, you know, all parties are happy. Right. I think, you know, you pointed out that definitely seemed like the compromise was his, you know, kind of average annual value that 5.25 million came in lower than what he would have gotten on the free agent market. I think for sure, looking at some of the prices that were given out to defensemen once the market opened. Um, But he did get a third year, which provides him a lot of security. And obviously, that's going to be ultimately the thing that, you know, we'll have to look back on once this deal is over as a potential question mark because... Part of the reason Martinez is so valuable to the Golden Knights is the fact that he puts his body on the line all the freaking time. I mean, he led the league in block shots by a lot in the regular season. He led the NHL in block shots by a lot in the postseason, despite playing on a broken foot, uh, which is obviously uh, very admirable. But the Knights have to hope that, you know, he holds up at least a little bit for now three years. Um but yeah, it is funny because uh, Dave joked at the beginning of his last answer that Kelly McCrimmon kind of gently admonished him for uh, the term that they gave Martinez. <laughs> gently. But it really Gently, yeah. Uh, but it really was pretty nuts uh, for defensemen Wednesday morning. I mean, I believe I heard Minnesota Wild general manager Billy Guerin say like, man, I wish... Uh, I could, you know, skate backwards and pick up my stick again because it's great to be a defenseman right now. I think Pittsburgh uh, general manager Ron Hextall made some sort of comment of like, oh, man, I thought last year my colleagues got a lot smarter. And then I looked this year and I realized that probably wasn't the case. So there was a lot of crazy money being uh, flung around, especially for kind of second, third pair guys. So I think that actually, you know, when the term and uh for martinez initially came in i think it was fair to have some questions about it once you compared his contract to the ones uh that were signed during the free agent period and you brought up you know 36 year old ryan Suter getting four years with a full no move dave i think all of a sudden the martinez deal looked even you know better on wednesday than when we kind of initially got word of it on monday yeah and i think that's, you know, basically what Kelly McGurman was t- trying to tell me, like, hey, dummy, you know, look around, like, some of these other deals. And, you know, if you look at a team, I, I'm just going to throw this out there, you know, because I can't get busted for tampering. But, like, I mean, if Boston had a chance to get Alec Martinez and looking at, you know, their need and, you know, what they ended up doing and things like they – and I think, you know, maybe what Danny – our friend Danny Webster had put out a report, I think. Um, I, maybe there was somewhere else, too, that – you know, Boston had made an offer that was definitely more money uh, than the Knights uh, had made, but it was less term. So, you know, again, I think that three-year commitment, you know, that the Knights, you know, were able to make and decided to make on him was was probably the, ultimately the, 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 the clincher, you know, for him to come back. Yeah, so that was objective two in the offseason for the Knights. Objective three, improving the forward group. Uh, they tried to do that. By starting off Wednesday morning by trading for right wing and Evgeny Dadnoff from the Ottawa Senators in exchange for uh, defensive Nick Holden and a third round pick. Uh, Dadnov is a 32-year-old, pretty much all offense winger, which the Knights are kind of renowned for all the two-way wings they have on their roster. This guy is uh, a lot more one-dimensional. Uh, his last three seasons pre-pandemic, he scored 28, 28, 
and 25 goals, so all excellent totals, uh, playing with the excellent playmakers they have in Florida in Alexander Barkov and Jonathan Huberto. Uh, last year, he gets traded to Ottawa, scores 13 goals in 55 games, so a down year. Now, obviously, the talent on the Senators is much different than those kind of two-star players for Florida. Um, he also talked uh, yesterday when we got a chance to Zoom with him, and Kelly McCrimmon mentioned this as well, that he was away from his family in Ottawa. His family didn't travel with him um, when he went to the Senators, and his wife was also pregnant for a lot of last year, so I think it was very uh, difficult for him. He also has two other kids, so I think it was tough season mentally for him. But on paper... Um, this is a guy that kind of checks a lot of boxes for the Knights in terms of, you know, they obviously needed scoring help based on how the last two postseasons have gone. McCrimmon said he kind of, you know, fit the bill for them. He also said he kind of, quote unquote, lives in the hard ice uh, going through watching some of his goals. He can score around the net. Uh, he's played in the bumper spot a lot on Florida's power play. And the Knights haven't had anyone that really excelled in that role uh, so far. So do you think uh, this is a good fit, Dave? Or are there some question marks about the uh, fact that, you know, he's is coming off a down year and he is 32 years old at this point? Well, I think those are valid question marks. I mean, I think you're, you're always wondering which player you're going to get. You know, are you going to get the one, you know, from a few years ago in Florida? Uh, as he said, you know, going back to his first stint when, you know, he was in Florida even – uh, when Pete DeBoer was the coach. So that was like, you know, 2008, 9, 10, 11, like right around there. And he kind of washed out. He spent most of his time, you know, in the minors. I'm not saying you're going to get that player, as he pointed out. You know, he was young and didn't speak English. And, you know, since he's been back, it's been a much smoother adjustment. And he's shown it on the ice, at least in Florida. So one of the things I found this interesting, uh, one of the things that he he was asked two questions in Russian. Ha. My ear happened to pick up as those questions were being asked the the words Vadim Shipashov. And I had kind of put it out there on Twitter. I think I think he was asked about Shipashov. And somebody, you know, on Twitter, one of our followers kind of said, you know, volunteered, yeah, I speak Russian. Like, give it to me. Let me hear what they said. And when the Knights put out the video, uh, they cut that part out. So she wasn't able to hear it. I sent it to her. She sent me it back with the translation. Uh, and I believe her. I believe it's pretty accurate. So what she said, the translation of the two questions were, were basically that one, he was asked during his time uh, here. Uh, and even in the KHL, he's played with elite centers, uh, Shipshov and Barkov in Florida. And was he hoping to play with an elite center in Vegas? And, you know, how would he play if, you know, without one, essentially? Uh, and the other thing he was asked about was, did he talk to Shipshov uh, about Vegas? And he kind of brushed that one off. Um, but as far as the other question, he, you know, said it was out of his hands and, you know, we'll see. But that, you know, he hoped to kind of prove, you know, and, and play with, you know, those those types of players. So I bring this up because I don't I wonder and I don't know where Keith DeBoer and Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee, when they made this acquisition, where they figure him in the lineup and where they slot him. I mean, you figure at least on the surface right now, if you just keep the top six the way it is and you start slotting guys from the third line on, I mean, you've got Alex Tuck and Dadanov and then pick your center, you know, what, maybe Yanmark, maybe Nolan Patrick. 
but at no point have the Knights ever had two 20 goal scorers on their third line. And that's what they could project to have right now, you know, with Alex Tuck and Badenov. And then depending on if there's, you know, some other, you know, iterations that, that Pete DeBoer comes up with and wants to shake things up. If he breaks the misfit lineup, if he breaks up Mark Stone and Pacioretty or something like that, you know, there are a lot of different combinations and a lot of different options that they have. You know, Kelly McCrimmon mentioned, you know, that this is the best top nine and he thinks the best forward group, you know, that they've had. And it's much more about, you know, doing it by committee and doing it with depth. And I think that's where, you know, Dadnoff fits in and, and helping on the power play, you know, being another guy who can score, you know, 20 goals and add 50 points. And it's, it's not necessarily about him, you know, being the big star and the guy that they, you know, bring in because Mark Andre Fleury, you know, went out. I, I don't think that's a fair, you know, I guess comparison, but he does add an element that they need. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm really fascinated to see how they kind of put the forward group together. But as you said, Pete Boer has options. And I think that's what's really intriguing. And we'll see how he kind of makes the puzzle fit together um, just for the quick, um, you know, uh, financial part of it. He makes uh, $5 million in average annual value each of the next two seasons. It's basically, you know, adding $3.3 million of uh, salary to the Knights books right now because they lose uh, Nick Holden, who was making $1.7 million uh, against the cap. Uh, Holden obviously kind of didn't play a lot last season for salary cap reasons. Wasn't really anything to do uh, with his play. And he actually played really well in the postseason, but he was entering the last year of his deal. And McCrimmon uh, said that he wanted kind of a chance to play. Um, Let's quick move on to the other forward moves that they made. Uh, because, you know, uh, we had this outline of what we we're going to talk about on this podcast all done. And then the Knights made a major, major forward uh, shakeup last night. So let's kind of going chronologically. Uh, center Tomas Nosek signed with the Boston Bruins, which, you know, I think that departure is something we kind of hinted at earlier once the Knights traded for a kind of younger, cheaper potential fourth line center. In Brett Howden, uh, Nolan Patrick is obviously could be another option there. But last night, they traded right wing Ryan Reeves to the New York Rangers for a third round pick, uh, reuniting him with Gerard Gallant. Uh, I use the word major trade here, which I think is apropos for Reeves, despite the fact that he's a guy that has played exclusively on the Knights' fourth line and isn't, you know, like a big offensive producer or anything. But I think the fact that I use that additive just kind of speaks to uh, how unique Reeves is as a, a player, Dave, and the impact he ultimately did make, you know, on this team and in this city. Yeah, and I think it's probably the last part of of what you said that, that maybe stands out or is the most significant with him. I always think back to when he was acquired and Ed Greeny <laughs> loved Ed tells a story of his wife and other people, you know. The first couple of games, Ryan Reeves came in and was, you know, just trying to prove himself and run around like a maniac and took a couple penalties, cost him a couple games. And people were like, get this guy out of here. He doesn't fit in. What are, you know, what are the Knights doing? And it was so interesting and so intriguing almost. I mean, it was, 
it was almost this weird social sociological experiment to kind of see happen in the way that the fan base shifted and the town shifted and the popularity and, and the way that people just seem to gravitate, you know, toward Ryan Reeves. Uh, I mean, he married people. He, you know, started the brewery here. He, you know, does softballs. I mean, built a ball hockey rink. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And thank you for, for putting that out there too, because I think it's important to note, you know, the social work that he did, his community work, you know, and all those sorts of things. He had an impact on, you know, in this city and in so many different ways, you know, as a player. And he's talked about it. And, and I'll plug my story uh, that I wrote about him, you know, during the season and, and sort of how and why he, you know, evolved into effectively the most popular fourth line player in the NHL. And, you know, yeah, some of it has to do with, you know, him wearing the unofficial heavyweight title belt in the NHL and, you know, the role and, and everywhere you go in hockey, you know, sort of the enforcer, you know, is, is a fan favorite. But, you know, Ryan Reese really is a different, you know, a different breed in a way when it comes to, you know, that role and, and just how outgoing he is, the way that he interacts with the media. And, you know, he had mentioned at one point his connection with this town and whatever happens, you know, that he'll probably always come back and, and stay here, that, that he feels like Vegas is, it's his home now. And, you know, the, let's be, you know, the, from the hockey side, let's, you know, let's call it like it is and let's be honest. You know, he was a, a healthy scratch, you know, toward the end of the playoffs uh, that you could see it kind of coming, I think, with the way that Keegan Colasar worked his way into the lineup and playing a similar role for, you know, cheaper salary, the way that Pete DeBoer seemed to like the way that Keegan Colasar fit and what he brought. Yeah, I think everybody sort of saw this trade coming. I, I did a podcast with a reporter, you know, who covers the Rangers. And we talked about this like a month, month and a half ago. And I, you know, brought it up even then, like, hey, you know, <laughs> don't be surprised if we're talking, you know, here in a month and a half if Ryan, you know, whatever down the road, if Ryan Reese gets traded to the Rangers, it just makes, you know, so much sense. But, you know, we'll see how the Knights go forward. You know, the, there's one element that, that I think is interesting with all this is just, you know, the locker room and the chemistry, you know, we talked about Marc-Andre Fleury, and, you know, Nick Holden leaving and, and Ryan Reeves. There's, there's a lot of character. There's, there's a lot of, you know, glue, I think is always the hockey word that, that comes with that. That's, that's leaving, that's departing. And, and it'll be interesting to see how the Knights, you know, filled out those roles and whether that's something that they're going to feel like is missing, you know, down the road and, and with this upcoming season. One-hour air conditioning and heating. Our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855-1-HOUR for $50 off your repair. Or visit onehourair.com. Always on time or you don't pay time. Terms and conditions may apply. Independently owned and operated. Licensed in their respective state or county. If you love listening to us here on Golden Edge, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. 
the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, Season 2, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, let's let's, uh, touch on that, I guess, for a minute here, because we're talking about that, you know, off mic before the show. Now, as you mentioned, like uh, with Reeves, uh, the Knights, and we'll get to this a little bit later, are, you know, just like last year, very tight up against the salary cap. They kind of have a ready-made in-house potential replacement for Reeves that makes $1 million less, essentially, against the salary cap. It's a swap that makes sense. Um, Same with Holden a little bit in terms of, you know, he was a guy that wasn't on the NHL roster most of last year wants an opportunity to play so he can get another contract and you know he's not going to be kind of in the knights a lineup for lack of a better word or their first choice lineup because they want to keep developing nick hag so it makes sense to you know find another home from him and obviously they got a forward that they really like back in dadnoff and you know we touched on the flurry stuff already i mean but those are three guys who you know, in a lot of ways, were as you mentioned, key glue guys. I think even you know former Knights broadcaster Mike McKenna had a tweet the other day that said, you know, that's a lot of Elmers that left the the Golden Knights. Uh, you know, Reeves is a guy who even when he was healthy, scratched was like coming out of the locker room to fist bump every guy as they were coming off uh, the ice. I mean, Zach Whitecloud, I remember in the playoffs uh, had a very long uh, speech after Reeves got suspended, saying like how much Reeves had meant for him and his career and kind of helping um, him along. I mean, as you mentioned, he's a guy that uh, didn't mind sometimes stepping up and uh, talking to the media when things were tough. I mean, Nick Holden, super happy-go-lucky guy, didn't complain despite the fact uh, that he didn't play a lot last year. And I think you could tell how happy all his teammates were for the success that he had in the playoffs last year. And then obviously Mark Andre Fleury is uh, Mark Andre Fleury, and I think kind of any locker room he walks into in some way, shape, or form gravitates a little bit around his orbit, even though he doesn't, you know, wear a letter because goalies typically don't. So it's just going to be a very different feel, Dave. And those are three guys uh, in Reeves, Holden, and Fleury who I think are good at keeping things loose and not necessarily taking themselves or you know, the fact that they play a game for a living too seriously all the time, that they kind of take the time to stop and smell the roses a little bit and enjoy their jobs. And so it is just a new, you know, feel and dynamic in that locker room with uh, three guys like that no longer with the team. Yeah. And I love that you brought the the Mike McKenna 
a tweet up because I was kind of on my mind when I was thinking of the, you know, the glue stuff. And I love the, you know, the Elmers. That's a, that's a great way to phrase it. Uh, you know, so, and I had put something out too on Twitter and, and, you know, there was a lot of response and I feel like there were some people that, you know, maybe push back on it a little bit. And I don't want to necessarily push back on them right now, but I would say that, that this is a job for them. And, and I think there needs to be a little bit of an understanding or, or folks can, you know, equate some of this to walking into an office and this is their office. And it's no different than if, you know, you go in and, and there's a, uh, you know, a man or a woman who's just, you know, always fun, laughing, joking, and makes it an environment that you want to be around. And especially when it's hard and it's tough, those are the people, you know, that, that you want to lean on and, and you need to keep it light. I'll speak to one other element of this, and it's something that Robin Leonard brought up, and I find it really interesting. You know, clearly Robin Leonard is open about, you know, bipolar, and, and one of the things with mental health that he's mentioned is, you know, having people like Marc-Andre Fleury around him is good for him. It's healthy for him. I can actually relate to this. You know, a lot of my friends are people that are much more upbeat than I am, and it kind of pulls me out of my funk. You can't be in a bad mood around them. You can't be in a bad mood around Marc-Andre Fleury. And I think we saw a lot of that with Robin Leonard and how happy he was because coming to work every day was fun. Working with Marc-Andre Fleury was fun. And I don't know who Laurent, excuse me, Laurent Brossois is and we'll find out, you know, about him. But, you know, for, for chemistry's sake, I would hope that he's an outgoing, kind of fun-loving personality because I think that's what works well and meshes with Robin Leonard. And I think that's going to be an element that's worth watching to see if it's missing throughout this entire locker room. Right. Like, And obviously, like I said, I think it, we think it's just something to keep an eye on. Do we think that the Knights are you know, going to completely self-implode and not make the playoffs last season because they're missing some fun-loving dudes? No, but it'll just be interesting to see if kind of, you know, the lows are a little lower uh, next season with no one to break the tension or, you know, how they handle adversity a little bit with, you know, fewer guys to kind of keep their spirits upbeat. Who knows? It's just something to, like I said, keep an eye on. But obviously, talent wise, this team is still incredibly, incredibly deep and competitive. Uh, You touched on Laurent Brossois, Dave. So that was the next move. On our list, so excellent transition. The Knights address one of their other major needs by signing the former Winnipeg Jets backup goalie to be their backup goalie. Got a two-year deal worth about uh, $2.325 million against the cap. Um, So he was Winnipeg's backup the last uh, three years behind Connor Hellebuck, who won a Vezina Trophy in that time. Uh, He, Brassois, had basically sandwiched two good seasons around one bad one in 2019-20. Uh, McCrimmon said he was looking for more of an opportunity to play in free agency because he actually only played 54 games the last uh, three seasons. So, I mean, that's uh, essentially 17 games a year, a little bit more than that. That's not that many. It's actually 18. I'm doing my math wrong. 18 games a year. Um, So, sounds like he'll get a little bit more of a shot behind Robin Leonard. Uh, Worth noting that Leonard and Brossois make uh, seven 0.325 0.325 million dollars against the salary cap. So the Knights are saving, you know, basically more than four and a half million dollars on their goalies 
compared to last year. Now, their tandem last year obviously had a Jennings Trophy winning upside because they won that award. So it's going to be hard for them to match that performance, even though the price tag helps them in other areas of their roster. I mean, Davis Brassois, that kind of backup that you were kind of expecting, you know, the Knights to to go after a guy, you know, not too expensive, but that's able uh, to definitely, you know, take some of the workload off Robin Leonard's shoulders. Yeah, because I think he's, you know, he's a backup. And as much as Kelly McCrimmon can talk about, you know, he wants more of an opportunity and, you know, that things aren't necessarily the 60, 65, you know, goaltender start a year, you know, the way that they were, you know, a handful of years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. The, the, as much as that's shifting away from things, Robin Leonard is the clear number one now. And I don't think you want to bring in a number two or a backup who is a threat you know, to him as a starter, you want somebody who's going to be a solid number two, give you starts, keep you in games. You know, he can pull a rabbit out of his hat. I mean, I remember a, a game against the Knights, you know, a couple of years ago, 44 saves. I think he had a shutout maybe up in uh, up in Winnipeg against the Knights. I don't remember exactly, but, you know, he's a solid player. He's a solid backup. You know, you hope he's essentially kind of like an upgrade from what Malcolm Subban was before. Um, it's interesting. I mean, just in terms of, you know, the money. I mean, like he got slightly, slightly more than James Reimer. He got a little bit more than, you know, Braden Holpe. You know, I guess that's basically the going rate. But you wonder if they like overpaid a smidge to get him. Um, but, you know, he was a backup for Connor Hellebuck and did a pretty good job. So, you know, we'll see again how it meshes, you know. But all that being said, in, in, Brief answer to your question is, yeah, I think that's exactly what they want. You know, somebody to come in, fill that role, but understand that Robin Leonard is the guy. Right. And that's definitely the setup they have right now. Um, all right. We got one last move to go over. Ben, we've already been through a lot this episode, but that's because a lot happened. Um, we already, you kind of mentioned this, Dave, but the, the surprise of the day was the fact that the Knights also re-signed Matias Yanmark uh, when free agency opened on a one-year, $2 million deal. Um, he obviously fit in pretty well in the Knights kind of bottom six, especially that, you know, third line role across Alex Tuck after being acquired uh, at the trade deadline last year from Chicago. He obviously had the game seven hat trick against Minnesota that I think fans are going to remember kind of forever. Uh, but it just didn't seem like the Knights kind of were going to have the, the cap space to re-sign him. I mean, he called himself, you know, a short term ad in his exit interview and seem kind of resigned to the fact of like this team's not going to have the flexibility to retain me yet. Lo and behold, uh, they found a way to make it work. So, I mean, were you surprised that they were able to kind of squeeze him onto their books as well? Yeah, a little bit. And, you know, for all the reasons that you kind of mentioned, I mean, even Matisse, Matthias Yamark himself seemed to kind of understand the situation and that he was probably going to be a rental and it was going to take, you know, some dominoes probably falling into place, you know, for him to be able to come back. Apparently, they all fell into place uh, because at least the way that Kelly McCrimmon said, you know, later in the day, you know, they were able to circle back with him and, and get a deal done. So, you know, it'll be, again, without getting too much into the lineup and all that sort of stuff, because I think we can, you know, maybe touch on that here in a, in a second. Uh, Kelly McCrimmon talked about him being, you know, a Swiss Army knife. And if you you know, look at him, you know, maybe being a third line center, maybe even being 
you know, a guy right now on the fourth line. I mean, how different are the Golden Knights going to look if you've got, you know, somebody like Nick Waugh, Matthias Yanmark, and, you know, I don't know, Brett Howden, uh, William Carrier, King Kolasar. Uh, you know, the, those are those are your options right now on the on the fourth line if if the Golden Knights are going to stick with a fourteen forward look. So yeah, I think again his versatility and ability to play up and down. You know, hopefully if somebody goes out of the lineup, you know he can fill in. You know, in the top six. You know, those guys are those guys are invaluable, and for two million bucks, you know, that's not a bad deal. Yeah, I do think it was interesting that McCrimmon referred to uh, re-signing Yanmark as like a, a bonus. Is what he called it after free agency opened. So I do think that tells you that that wasn't something that they necessarily were even certain was going to be in the cards. And then it ended up being that he kind of, you know, seemed to stick in that price range. And certainly he seemed, Yanmark, very happy that he was able to uh, return to Las Vegas. Uh, so uh, we'll wrap up here by talking about kind of the complete picture after addressing almost all of the moves that they've made individually so in totality this offseason the knights have either added or re-signed uh centers nolan patrick and brett howden uh wingers dadnoff and yanmark defenseman alec martinez uh goalie brassois and they also have added a, a third round pick in that reeves trade they have lost flurry holden reeves uh nosick uh plus cody glass as well as a, a third round pick and a fourth round pick uh Patrick needs to re-sign as an RFA. If he does, as Dave said, the Knights are going to have 14 forwards, uh, likely on one-way contracts. So basically guys that can't be sent to the minors without going through waivers. They are also approximately $37,000 over the salary cap right now uh, with Patrick's deal not on the books. So there still might be something that has to happen there. Well, something does have to happen there, but it doesn't have to be anything major anymore to get them salary cap compliant. Um, The one thing that I think is interesting and kind of missing from what we thought their offseason might look like is despite a lot of speculation, it doesn't seem like they've done much to, you know, address their center position. Obviously Howden and Patrick are centers, but Howden has been a fourth line center in his career thus far. And Patrick is a guy that despite having a lot of talent, has a lot to prove at this point at the NHL level. Um, McCrimmon said Wednesday that the Knights kind of were probably going to stay out of further discussions. So it doesn't seem like a Jack Eichel move is in the cards. Uh, so what do you make of uh, the Knights offseason strategy thus far, Dave, which seems to be for the most part load up uh, on more wingers. We'll add some maybe potential bottom six centers, but we're not going to make a, major move there despite a lot of people seemingly clamoring that for them to do that yeah it does seem like that that's a that's a good picture so i i want to throw one name in there uh real quick as well because kevin mccrimmon certainly pumped dylan coglin's tires uh yesterday in in terms of wanting them to get him more games and he's an rfa as well so if we're going to talk like salary cap stuff and where they're at and i i think we also probably should figure in him into the equation and whatever he's going to cost and then where that puts the Knights with Patrick and then, you know, what they have to do from there and whether it's going to require, you know, kind of full liposuction or just, you know, nip and tuck and, you know, a little bit of cosmetic surgery to, uh, to get under the salary cap. 
I mean, it might be something, you know, as easy as, you know, who knows, somebody going through waivers, somebody going on long-term IR, um, or any sort of, you know, just, you know, maneuvering or manipulation that the Knights have seemed to have mastered when it comes to the salary cap, you know, over the last handful of years. I mean, big picture, I think, you know, like I said, maybe earlier and, and maybe like you touched on, it feels a little bit more like the first year in terms of we're going to try to win by committee. We're not going to rely on a star or two or a couple, you know, high end guys. It's not necessarily going to lean on, you know, Mark Stone. We're not going to necessarily lean on Alex Petrangelo or Max Pacioretty or anything. You know, it's going to be much more by committee. It's going to be much more of, you know, having a third line that's productive and getting goals that way and upgrading the power play and things like that rather than the big splashy move. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I go back to the Yogi Bear, like I'll believe it when I believe it. Uh, there, there's still something and there's still too much buzz and, and smoke around the nights, you know, potentially, you know, waiting for the price to come down on Jack Eichel, you know, and then, and then maybe swooping in and doing something. <laughs> It still feels like, and then maybe it's just an outsider view, that they need to upgrade at center. And, and the Knights seem to have gone, you know, a different route and upgraded in a different way through Nolan Patrick, through Brett Howden, you know, rather than getting that frontline guy. We'll see if it works, if that's in fact, you know, how they're going to attack next season and going to training camp. You know, it, it, it does, like I said, it does feel more like that first year. It feels a little bit more democratic, you know. I hesitate to use that word, but you know, much more as a group rather than you know on a couple individuals. Right, and obviously, as you said, they still have some more time to uh, make moves. And obviously, even if they enter the season with basically this roster, they can always make moves during the season as well. And they certainly haven't hesitated to do that uh, throughout their history. Well, I think that was a, a pretty thorough rundown of uh, the Knights' offseason move so far. As we mentioned, they did a lot. We think they're close to done at this point. We'll see if they actually are. General Manager Kelly McCrimmon is going to address us one more time uh, this afternoon to talk about the Ryan Reeves trade, and we'll see what he has to say then. But uh, for the most part, this looks like the kind of the plan for – the Knights had for this offseason is pretty much complete. So we uh, might take a slight break with the podcast. Dave's actually going on a vacation for a little bit here. That is well-deserved. So we'll vacation. see. What's vacation? <laughs> we'll see when we uh, end up catching up with you guys. But uh, hopefully you enjoyed this overview of what they ended up doing uh, in free agency and on the trade market. This week, uh, as I mentioned off the top, we also have a podcast that just breaks down uh, the Mark Andre uh, flurry trade. If you guys want to listen to that, ultimately, the Knights basically use the cap space they got there to uh, acquire Evgeny Dadnoff. So we'll see if getting that extra score uh, is ultimately uh, what gets them over the hump in the playoffs. Uh, but before we get out of here, I just want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning. We are presented by Blue Wire Hustle. Um, of course, please check out all our written work at ReviewJudo.com. We've had so much, so much content on our website this week, and there's so much more to come as well. So please keep your eyes peeled uh, on our website for that. 
And as always, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, do to this one. It helps people find us. It would just be so, so very appreciated. Uh, I'm Ben Goats. He's Dave Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon. One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855-1-HOUR for $50 off your repair or visit onehourair.com. Always on time or you don't pay time. Terms and conditions may apply independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, Season 2, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.